If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Wilson sitting over here. Brian Ziegler over here. What's going on, buddy? Buddy, day five. <laughs> Quarantine. Quarantine. Oh, um, man. Um, how's it going at your house? You, uh, you getting some you know cabin fever? You still doing that here? Um, I, I mean, I'm working upstairs. I've got a, I mean, a, a decent setup. I've got a monitor. I've got my laptop. I'm I'm almost business as usual every day. Um, you know, me and Brian said in the past, my wife's a teacher, so she's teaching our two sons. She's got little lessons, little things every day for them. We go outside and play. We eat dinner. I, you know, our life's going pretty well. How about you guys? Not too bad. Probably a little bit of the same, to be honest. Uh, I don't quite have the setup you do. I'm at the... Uh, dining room table most of the day, um, which is comfortable for the most part in terms of working, but the actual uh, seat itself, you know, your boy gets up in the afternoon and all of a sudden he's like, oh man, I need to walk around and stretch for a little bit here. It's not that comfortable. But uh, other than that, I'm doing all right. Like like you said, uh, my wife's a teacher too, so she's got little lessons going on for my son and, you know, mixing that in with some some fun stuff and mixing it in with some some time outside so at least we've had it's some nice weather the last couple of days so that's made it a little bit more uh manageable oh absolutely gorgeous weather um you know what what sucks right now about doing this podcast today is brian you were supposed to you're going to shoot over to the house today we were going to do a face-to-face recording session um then we we're going to head up to hurley's and grab bear and wings and watch the madness and you know how things in the last 10 days have just absolutely, you know, changed in this world. So, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Wednesday last week, we invited you guys to join us today. And, you know, now we're talking about literally right after we dropped that, the world completely changed. So, um, you know, we're, we're dealing here, but it is a sad day that, you know, this day is one of the days that we kind of look forward to every year. And, you know, that's been taken from us a bit, but uh, obviously under, you know, 
understandable circumstances here, but absolutely, you know, you, you feel bad that you're missing out on it. You feel bad, and you feel bad for the bars and the restaurants, um, especially. You know, we were going to go to Hurley's, and you know, I, I was I was watching Channel Twelve News today, and they were talking to home team who's down the fan. The guy talked about how March is one of their biggest months, and you know. You feel for those guys because this is the fun times. Man, if you remember last year at Hurley's, I I think about 20 people of our group came out, which is a decent number. But when we left, remember going through the bar area? Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Oh, God. I'm going to knock somebody's brew over. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's the the crew getting off. We usually – we like to start early. We usually take the day off and show up at noon, get some food. And by the time the first game tips off, you know, we've got a beer in hand. Sometimes we've got an app in hand. And uh, we, we just kick back for about five hours and just watch all those early games and, you know, hang out and everything. So that that's kind of our, our role. Usually by the time we leave, that's when the rest of the work crowd showing up to, you know, do the same thing we've been doing for five hours. So it's it's crazy. You know, it's it's wall to wall. And I, it's sad that they're going to miss out on all that business. And, uh, you know, speaking of Hurley's, just a shout out to Hurley's for always being uh, you know, such a good host for us. And, you know, we've been doing that at their spot for at least six plus years now. So, um, you know, and, and we've never thought one day about changing it. So it, it's the, it's the place to be. And uh, they're, they're still doing uh, delivery and, uh, and takeout uh, or pick up orders. So yes, sir. anybody, you guys in the RVA area, you want some good food, some wings, some burgers, definitely check them out. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, Brian. I got my fix this week. We got tavern burgers and wings on uh, Tuesday night from there because because me and my wife both needed that fix because this is our normal. We we ramp up and go there more than a few times in the spring. Um, but in general, uh, guys listening out there, wherever you may be, RVA, whatever part of the world you may be in, um, if you're not on full lockdown, local establishments such as that support them most of these guys are doing delivery and curbside uh you know the waitress that came out and delivered ours she's coming out in like gloves and it's like you don't have to sign your receipt or anything um but you know of course i did and left a pretty generous tip because this is their livelihood um but go out and support those places i I think me and my wife have discussed tonight or tomorrow we're probably going to get delivery from one of the local pizza joints so I really encourage folks to do that during this time, by all means, social distancing, but still try to support those businesses that are staying open that, you know, this, this hits them the hardest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Curtis, uh, since we're on the subject, yeah. what's the go-to wing sauce of Hurley's? For this guy? Oh, for you? Okay. Okay. You? I'm, a, I'm a chili lime man. I'm a chili lime. That's, that's, that's number two for me. I actually, I got barbecue and chili lime. So, uh, always a good yeah. call. Um, I know, man. Hey, man, uh, this kind of makes you happy, doesn't it? Tom Brady's not in the AFC. Thank God, man. Thank God. (laughs) No, not the AFC anymore. That that's the big one. Um, I'm sure all my, my Buffalo fans, um, and Jets fans and Dolphins (laughs) fans out there are thankful that they actually have a chance to win the division now, maybe. Um, (laughs) maybe unless we find out the secret sauce is mostly Bill and, (laughs) <laughs> then, then, then they still might Bob still be flat. in trouble for a few more years. <laughs> exactly. Um, but hey, you know he moved. Um, some of our Hokies moved too, man. Uh, Kendall Fuller going back to the Redskins, back to DC. 
40 back to the 40 million bucks over four years. Um, and you know, being local, this is actually a prudent good move for the Redskins. I'm, I am shocked. <laughs> yeah. So they, they go out, they make a move, you know, not only one that is, you know, smart from, you know, picking a guy that is versatile that can, you know, play in the slot, but also play outside uh, to help them. Safety too. And, you know, got him for a pretty good price. And, you know, you got some hometown flavor there. So you're going to probably get a few more butts in the seats as a, as a side effect. So it's really no, no complaining about that deal for them. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't the only Hokie with this getting signed with the skins, Logan Thomas, tight end Logan <laughs> Thomas. Wait, that's that's the Hokies' all time leading uh, passer. Uh, okay, let's just we we can go there. You know what? Let's have an episode in the future where we talk about guys who got moved, and you're like, why do we move these guys to different positions? Um, but now Logan got signed. Good for him. I give that guy all the credit in the world. You know, was drafted fourth round by the Cardinals as a QB prospect. When Bruce Arians kind of said eh, it's not going to work out like that, didn't whine, didn't complain. Started working at tight end, and I think Logan's been in the league what seven years now, seven or eight years as yeah. a tight end. He's... I mean, that just shows you that cat's work ethic, and you know the things that that are, that are taught in Blacksburg about hey, if you can't make it here, do whatever you can do to make it. You talk about Kendall's versatility. Um, unfortunately, he made that the the, the backbreaking <laughs> interception of my Niners, but he was playing yeah. free safety. They had him in slot. He rotated up and played free safety and picked us. That dude's a baller. Always has been. Um. Oh. Um. Oh, dude. Uh. Oh. Blah blah blah. Tarad. Tarad's a star again. TT. Get him. Uh, great to hear that because when all the moves were being made, you know. We're, I'm sitting here working, listening to the radio, and people are announcing. And I'm like, oh, man, Cam's going to go there. James, no, Tyrod's going to be yeah, our starter. Yeah, chips kept falling, and, there, and nothing really started happening. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, we're going to name Tyrod the starter. It seems like, you know, he's going to be at least going to be a transition uh, quarterback for them, um, depending on what they do in either in this year's draft or next year's draft to, um, you know, give something long-term for that position. But, you know, we're talking about probably a season, maybe two, that he has an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do and uh, and go from there. So, you know, kudos to him. And, you know, he's he's been – he sticks with it. And, I mean, the big thing um, that – I mean, if you're looking for a transitional quarterback, a guy like him that does not turn the ball over, that has the ability to make plays with his legs, I mean, that's, that's going to definitely be an asset. I mean, he's not going to go out there and throw 300, 350 a game. But he takes care of the ball. He can make uh, make plays with the legs when when the play breaks down. So I think they're going to be okay. And the underrated thing that people will that doesn't like to mention, he won in Buffalo. He he was the quarterback that led them to their first playoff appearance since we were in yeah. high school. Let's let's just keep that on there. They went nine and seven that year, and um, could have been better. But you know, they're old. Was it with McDermott was the head coach then, right? He's like, no, we're going to play Nate Peterman from Pitt, and Nate Peterman five interceptions in one half. Hey, I think I had the Chargers defense that week. Too. Man, so it was like the most beautiful thing. Like, I'm going to win just on my defense in fantasy. 
Awesome. Hey, Brian, you had one last thing. I didn't get to read this, but you did about um, Trevion uh, Henderson. Yeah, so I caught a uh, off-the-cuff comment from Mike Farrell the other day. Um, You know, he was talking about kind of what he was feeling, kind of the temperature in the room as far as uh, Trevion Henderson's um, recruitment. And he's like, it seems like at this point, because, you know, Clemson is out, and it looks like it's going to be kind of Ohio State and maybe a couple of those other guys, but the, but pretty much we're kind of neck and neck with Ohio State at this point, and he's giving us kind of a hometown favorite nod here at this point if he had to go with his gut. So that's kind of a that's a big change in the momentum compared to where we were probably about a month ago when you know everybody thought it was going to be uh, Clemson, and all of a sudden they're not even in the in the top eight there, so. Yeah. Oh, the other thing, Ohio State, Evan Pryor, pretty highly rated guy. Yeah. There uh, he's what week. four or five in this class. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's good too. Don't 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 get me wrong, but again, it's kind of the domino effect. Um, I'm still a hokey of heartbreak. So until I see that LOI signed in December, I'll 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 hold my breath. But <laughs> it's looking good, man. We, we we've been strong right. a couple of times. We we don't we don't More want to get our hopes up too much, right? Yeah, we don't get our hopes up too high. All right, so as we stated in our last episode, what we're going to be doing this week, um, and again, things have changed. There's no spring game, so this is kind of going to be our positional um, unit grading until fall camp. This was going to be our breakdown of where we are right now, and now it's going to be where we are for the remainder of the offseason. Exactly. So um, we're going to be hitting all um, groups with the exception of specialists. And, and the reason I say I, I'm not going to say much about specialists is you have two really entrenched guys, Brian Johnson, consistent. Um, we've seen he can make the long kick. And Oscar Bradburn is one of the best punters in the country. So we didn't go into those guys. Um, clearly in a couple of years when we do this, we might be going in because as those guys graduate, the positions will be coming yep. open. So let's start today, Brian. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm going to start with the corner unit. Um, I give my grade of that unit as a B plus. And first of all, I feel just great about our top three guys. Um, Farley and Waller are absolute ballers. It showed in the stats. It showed in their play on the field last year. Um, both ranked so high in numerous statistical categories. Um, but then the third guy, don't forget about him. Amani Chapman was a freshman last year, and he really provided that help off the bench. Um, and he showed that he can belong on that field, uh, at least for me. Um, the reason I go B-plus is that it's the depth that scares me. And I was hoping for spring practice, man. You know, guys like Webb and Murray and the Dick Thompson to, to get a chance against like Trey and Tavion Robinson on the other side of the ball, but we're not going to get yeah. that. Now, I'm going to say this. My opinion is if just one of those guys, it, it doesn't have to be all three of them, but if just one of those guys can become a contributor, this group's an A. That's okay. for me. Um, now, Something I saw, and I, me and you talked about it when we were chatting on a phone call a couple weeks ago. You notice Lapine Rudolph is not listed as a wide receiver. You brought that to my attention. I was like, okay, um, let's. Not sure about that, but okay, okay. But he's in, but again, that's going to be fall camp stuff, and also Dorian Strong coming in. Um, 
can they do stuff in their red shirt in their first year? Is this a red shirt year? We don't know yet, but again, I'm going to be plus for this group. What about you? I'm actually going to go a uh, solid low A on this. Um, you know, not, not quite oh, an nice. A minus, but you know, if I, if I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say like 92, 93. Um, okay. And the big thing for me is similar to what you said. I mean, we're talking about bringing back probably the best one, two tandem at cornerback in the conference. And I okay. think for me, that that's big. That's big. Um, you know, front line, we're talking about having two of the best guys that can do it in the conference. Um, I'm, I was impressed by what uh, Chapman did last year as a freshman. Um, she showed promise in spell duty. He showed promise when he had to come on um, to take over when, uh, when Farley was out. So, I mean, he did get burned a couple times, yes, but I think you know that's going to come with uh, with the experience and, and playing against more of those number one guys. And I think I think the biggest thing for me is I think Murray is going to be a guy that we can depend on as well. And that's why I don't quite have quite as many probably uh, concerns about depth as you do. I feel like we've got four guys that we can probably probably lean on. And I think Murray being versatile, being able to play the nickel corner and being able to play outside is going to be good for us. Awesome. All right, I'll let you take the next group. All right, so we're we're going safeties next. We're moving on to safeties. And, you know, for safeties, I'm going to give them a solid B+, mainly because I feel like front line, we've got some really, really talented players that can do some special things. I mean, we've got Divine Diablo out there, and then we've got, you know, Devin Hunter. Hunter's finally stepping in for, for Reggie there. And I think that's going to be the key because I think it's in terms of top end town, in terms of just what he can do on the field, I'm really excited to see what, uh, what Devin Hunter can do this year. And uh, for me, that that's what kind of takes it over the top. And, you know, we still got Tyree out there that can, um, you know, help out on the back end if there's injuries and things. The biggest concern that I might have is that, you know, Diablo has been banged up at times through his career and, that that's really my bigger concern, but in terms of just frontline talent, I feel like we're you know we're we're pretty solid there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a B on this. Um, I also threw Chamari Connor in, um, at the nickel whip, whatever you want to call yeah, it. I've yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely that. gonna gonna play into the to the puzzle there because that that position is just as much of a a DB as it is a linebacker. Yeah, and um, to me, I, I'm B because Divine and him have shown in game they can just do it in and out. Um, just good play in and out. Devin's look good in his spot chances, um, but now he's got to do it in and out, week in, week out. I think the potential for him to do it's there. I, I really do. Um, but, you know, right now to me, you mentioned Tyree Rogers. Tyree Rogers is our only guy as a backup. Again, depth worries me um, more than anything. Um, you're gonna, that's going to be a lot of my talk. I, I'm depth because, you know <laughs> – it's just true. You see teams and they're really good, and then one guy goes down and it doesn't fall apart, but it isn't what it could be. Yeah, we, um, I mean, we've seen that with some of our defenses in the past where we had a defense we felt really good about, and either, you know, you know, guy goes down with uh, – we had that spell of like two or three years in a row where we had some Liz Frank injuries that yeah. completely derailed our defense uh, at, at key positions. So, Yeah. The, the other piece with this group that I, I put it at a B and not the B-plus is – I think losing Reggie, um, I think his leadership skills on there is another big piece to me. Um, 
I'm going to throw one thing out there, and I want to see how you feel about this. Okay. Um, Dean, Dean Ferguson, he's listed with the linebacker group, but if you look at his build, he's about 6'1", about 215. I am wondering if he is going to get – and he's, and I think he's a redshirt freshman, if uh, my mind doesn't fail me. I wonder if he's kind of moved over to say, hey, let's try you at Rover or some whip in certain situations because of his size and because of um, – how the linebacker position's looking. Uh, and we also got Keonta coming out from Duvall. Uh, I, I think if if uh, Rodgers plays good, Peoples, Walker, Hawkins, one of those guys step up and become that second death piece, I think he's red-shirting unless he comes in and blows it away at camp because it's going to be a very interesting piece this year. No spring ball. The freshman is going to have a chance to come in and say, hey, dude, you're not ahead. Nobody's ahead of you. Yeah. Everybody's one. That's, that's the big thing is like, you know, there's going to be some positives in that, and that freshmen are going to get kind of an equal opportunity to to really go out there and show what they've got. Um, conversely, I mean, the coaches are going to have to spend more reps seeing what they have from from these guys without you know without knowing they're already solid with some of the maturing guys that are already on the roster. So um, it'll be interesting trying to you know settle that out and see how that ends up impacting camp. But I mean, the good news is, is that it's not just us, you know, everyone is having the same um, situation. So it's not like it's something that's a unique um, handicap for us. So I think we'll see how it shakes out. Like you said, I think things like that where position changes and um, trying guys at different spots, you may actually see less of that just because we don't necessarily have time to experiment. Unless, yeah. unless you've got a guy that you already know can handle that role. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I, I kind of set up what we're going into next um, with Dean Ferguson because the linebackers group, a borderline and A-plus for me. I mean, we're deep. These guys are talented. They all have on-field experience. We have good leadership at this. And – the way I kind of feel about it as we look at them, Brian, and I'm going to let you kind of go on this. We have a chance to be so dynamic because we have some really dynamic skill sets at linebacker um, between Rook and Dax and, uh, you know, um, Barno, Tisdale, and Keyshawn Artis. Um, I mean, this group's an A for me. Yeah, A for me as well, and those are the five that I highlighted as well. I mean, the interesting thing is going to be, you know, I think we're talking about, you know, Rayshard, Dax. We're talking about Keyshawn and and Tisdale, and then we got Barno. That's kind of a, I don't know what we're going to do with him in, in terms. I, I think he's going to be good for depth, but I'm I'm interested to see if we get creative with how we uh, deploy him just because of his. Um, you know, length and size and still, you know, ability to, to run around pretty good too. So let me ask I'm you, Brian, let me ask this. Yeah. Go back to daddy's freshman year. Is that what you're thinking with Barno? Where he's almost stand up like that. Almost, he's at a whip position and he's moving back and forth, side to side, whatever, um, wherever the, wherever the tight end isn't, he is. Yeah. I think they could deploy him that him in that way. Absolutely. Um, just because he does have that length, and uh, in some ways, I mean, with his, he's actually longer than than what Daddy was at that time. I mean, you know, Daddy he's similar in size, but um, you know, Barno's got a little bit more length. And like I said, we've been moving to some of that. 
uh, in terms of how we're recruiting uh, pass rushers. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's part of the puzzle as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, this group I feel is they're going to be the linchpin on that defense. And I think having Dax and Rayshard being the older guys in the middle, you know, and, and Dax said it in the thing. They, they both lead different. Rayshard's a dog and Dax is loud. I got a feeling when those two guys bark at the rest of the defense, they will listen. All yeah, right. that's why I'm, I'm less concerned about, uh, as you said earlier, with the Reggie departure in terms of leadership. I mean, not only has you know Diablo been doing the, you know playing that position in the secondary for a while, you know we're starting to get a lot more senior in the secondary, and I think with guys in the middle like Dax and Rayshard, um, you know there's not going to be a problem with uh, with leadership getting guys aligned where they need to be, getting the assignments out there, getting the calls out. So I don't think that's going to be a problem um, with those two on the field plus uh, Diablo there in the secondary. Great. All right, Brian, so let's go to the next group. Guys that you blocked a lot, what do you think of the defensive tackles for this upcoming year? I tell you, man, I I feel really good about the defensive tackles. And the big thing that we're talking about right now is that I felt the exact opposite this time last year. (laughs) I had no idea what to feel about the defensive tackle position going into – going into camp last year, going into spring practice last year, because we were so, so thin. And, you know, we had some some junior college guys coming in. All right, so the biggest thing that I like about this unit is going to be um, the the depth that we have. And like I said, last year I was in the complete opposite uh, frame of mind at this time of the year. Um, you know, we had uh, Jaden Cunningham and Deshaun Crawford come in and they really pay dividends right out the gate just having their experience in there um we got those guys back this year so the other guy i want to talk about is norell pollard um i feel really good about his production from year one and i feel like we're going to get some more out of him this year but the the guy that i'm really high on is josh fuga um this guy's been a beast in the weight room this offseason um he's been kind of attached to the older guys at the hip and just trying to soak in everything. And I think that's going to pay dividends um, when we, when we come out this year, I think he's really going to be a guy that uh, if, if just rotationally, he's going to make some noise just because of his size and athleticism and what he brings to the table. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm with you on the same grade uh, B plus because of the depth um, Hewitt and Crawford starting. Uh, they're solid. They're solid. They do their jobs. Um, then last year, you mentioned Paul Ray, but Mario Kendricks, too, the freshman, also had a pretty good opening season. And the one thing I want everybody to remember out there, these guys came in in July. They weren't there in June, January. Um, so they were doing that without a college weight program, which is – I know you know, Brian, from doing it, it's a big deal in these cases. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Fuga. Cunningham, remember, he played a few games but got banged up and was out. Yep. Um but both of those guys are about the 305 range. So that gives us some girth in the middle where if we're playing more of a power run team, we might be mixing up them more than the other guys. Um, um, and, you know, I love Charlie Wiles. Charlie was a great coach for many years. But I'm kind of excited to see what Bill Tiernan can do with this group because they are more experiences. There are some, you know, there's some chances to be dynamic in this group. What about you? 
Yeah, the biggest thing that the reason I'm high on most of these defensive linemen is going to be the the coaching change, and now the having the uh, the depth and the experience that we didn't have really the last two years, but uh, you know, in particular, um, we we've had this problem for a bit. So um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think that that's going to be where we see the most um, dividends get paid off. Um, is that you've got Tierlink that's going to be more of the guy that is X's and O's, can break things down, can bring some um, unique ways of attacking the offensive line. And then you've got, um, obviously, Tap is going to play a role with some of the inside guys too, but I think he'll, he'll, be, he'll be more strictly defensive ends, but I think he'll play a role with some of the inside guys just because there is that overlap. And I think those two guys, just the work ethic of of Tap and then the X's and O's and just the, the knowing how to attack an offensive line with tier link is going to be a really big combination. It's, and we're going to see probably a big step in the output from this unit. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to move to defensive ends next and that help. Maybe I should just change my grade for this one, just because Daryl tap is going to be coaching up those guys to a B, but I've got it at a C. Don't, don't hate me defensive ends. If you guys listen to this or people that love these guys, um, because, first of all, one reason is we're already down a player, Javon Becton. Um, I hope this clears up quick. He comes back. Um, you know, Emmanuel Belmore, leader of this group, um, he doesn't blow you away with everything. He's solid. He's steady, which is sometimes what you need. Um, but there are a couple guys like Zion DeBose is missing a huge opportunity this spring. It really sucks for him. Um Jalen Griffin showed some flashes last year, but again, he's still transitioning. Uh, but, you know, and you've got Eli Adams. Um, some production, he'll definitely have a role. Um, what are you thinking of this group? What's your grade, Brian? All right. So for this unit, I'm giving them a B. And part of it's going to be we got an additional year <clears throat> with these guys in the off season. I know we're not going to get a, a full spring here, um, but they've had a full, uh, mostly a full off season workout program. And I, I think they're going to get better. They're going to get stronger. They're going to get faster. And you couple that, like I said, with, with these coaching changes. And I feel like that's going to be a recipe to just get some additional fire out there, get some additional usage. I mean, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, Belmar uh, and Garbutt out there you got the leaders, but then you also got, uh, like you said, Jalen Griffin uh, showed some flashes. And I think the biggest thing coming in is Alec Bryant and how they're going to deploy him. Cause I think he's at least one of the guys that I think is going to have potential not to, to take a red shirt year um, in 2020. And I think that's because, you know, not only is he going to pay some dividends in terms of, getting after the quarterback because he's got a good combination of speed and size, but because he's got that speed and size on passing downs, you can slot him into a three technique and let him rush the passer from there. So that that's going to bring a whole new element um, to what we do. So I'm, I'm looking to at his versatility coupled with, you know, our, our veteran guys getting an additional year in the system and getting an additional year in the weight room. And then just, what what we can really deploy from a coaching standpoint to really get these guys after the quarterback better. Yeah. I, and, and, and one guy you mentioned him and I forgot to, but I think Garbutt is really key for this group this year. If you remember last year, they talked about how good a camp he had. Um, and then he comes in the first game of the year. He hurts his collarbone against Boston college. 
he comes back and plays. Um, but you kind of wonder, you, you played against these guys, and I think about where the collarbone is, and I see what defensive ends do. You break your collarbone or, you know, even fracture it in a way. How much is that going to hurt you and what you do as a defensive end? And I really think he's going to be a key because he can stay healthy. Um, he always kind of, you know, lined up a little wider than Belmar. And you love Alec Bryant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean everything. <laughs> across, and, and I believe you're right. He, he comes in. You look at his size. He's already kind of got the size. He might be a few pounds under where you want him to be, but uh, you keep talking about him more and more. And I, and you know, maybe this group is the the, the group that just surprises. They're again my C group. Uh, so, you know, yeah. Like I said, I'm giving them a solid B. And like I said, mainly it's because of the coaching changes. And then, like I said, the the additional year of seasoning and what what AB I think can bring to the table and I mean that's not no discount to uh, to the other two guys that are coming in for us but I just think in terms of instant impact you know Alec Bryant because of his versatility and size right out the gate just kind of gives us a little more where I think with guys already somewhat entrenched he's the only guy that's going to kind of break through that that ceiling right away. Great. All right, I'm going to set up one for you, man. We're going to move over to the offense. Your bread and butter. Give me your grade on the O-line. O-line. So you're probably going to be surprised at this one. I'm going A minus. Ooh. And okay. don't don't take that harshly, offensive lineman. That's actually – I'm giving you a compliment here. You have the most unique and good problem that you could have. You've got about nine guys that potentially could start. And now the problem that we have is that we got to get not only the most talented five out there, but those most talented five need to gel in a, in a way that the guys from last year were able to do down the stretch and how, how our running game started opening up a whole lot more down the stretch. And you're having to do that with now no spring practice, no spring game and potentially a protracted off season. So that's going to be my only concern. And that's why I went a minus here. It, you know, it, when you're talking about like cornerback or safety, yeah, there's some, um, you know, reciprocation between the units there, but more or less you're kind of, you know, you take care of your business and everybody else takes care of their business. Um, offensive line, it's got to work as one complete unit at all times. And if any one player is not where they need to be, even if everybody else is doing their job, the play gets blown up. So until we see how that gels and how, you know, who's going to be playing center, who's going to be playing. Like, I feel like tackles are more or less set depending on what happens at right tackle. Um, but the interior, it could be, you know, four or five different uh, potential scenarios there. And depending on what those scenarios are, we could be having one of the guys that started, you know, 10 plus games last year end up redshirting just because we don't need nine or 10 linemen um, every week. So, yeah, that's the big thing for me. And that's why I went eight minus. I, I just think, I think this unit is going to be great. I just don't know if it's all going to come together fast enough for them to be, you know, an all time great offensive line for the Hokies. Gotcha. Now I just went a plus, you know, don't have your expertise, <laughs> but what I see is you said it, we're, we're nine, maybe even more deep than that. 
We also have versatile guys who can play a number of positions. Again, that means a lot to me. You've got you've already got a couple of All Americans with Darisaw and uh, what Hudson was an All American last year. Well, Nestor, along with like Hoffman, just uh, you, you you keep naming. You're like, yep, good lineman, good lineman, good lineman. But I get what you're saying where they need to gel. Now we're missing spring, so there's a prime opportunity to getting an opportunity to gel. Um, but I also think with an offensive line group. Maybe they're just getting out there doing some sets together, not not with the coaches, but hopefully that can happen. Um, but I know I miss I know I miss we've missed some guys that on the line that could possibly start. Um, I think whoever the five are, Brian, I think this group has Joe more potential. I think at the end of the year we could see them on that list to say this is the best offensive line in college football. Now, also the nerd fan in me, I want to see some games where we're up like 35-10 at the end and our coaches get drunk and say, let's go to an eight-man eight offensive line set with Quincy at quarterback and just, just let's just break somebody's will and make them cry on the field. Um, there we go. I like the sound of that. that. That You know, I always remember back, do you remember the Duke game? Quincy's first year and we were up like five and it's like six minutes to go in the game and literally the way we pushed and ran the ball and you could just see them when it got to like two minutes and they're like they're yeah. not giving this ball back yeah I and was at that game so I remember that oh yeah that's you and Jacob down there man yeah. that. but you just see a wheel get snapped and it's just like that's what offensive line can do yeah you, you have no idea because that game was kind of tight most of the way um the amount of energy that got sucked out of that stadium in that drive was impressive. Like you could just feel it just slowly drain as the drive went on and on and on. Nice. All right. Where do you want to go next, Brian? All right. Where are we heading? Where are we heading? We're going to go. Let's see. Tell me what you think about wide receivers. Oh man. Um, I'm going to give them a B. Okay. Um, clearly Trey Turner is becoming the leader the lead wolf of this pack. I mean, you can say it how you can see how the guys respect him, um, which is a big thing to have, to have a lead dog with wide receivers. You need the alpha. He barks. They're going to listen. I get a feeling. Um, but also we're coming back with Tavion Robinson. Um, but the reason I give a B is there's a lot of unknown after that, you know, with Hayes and Hezzy both, you know, entering the portal, Hayes heading to Missouri. Hezzy, I don't know if he's landed anywhere, but it looks like he was heading somewhere on the peninsula to uh, play, um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, it's, it's a chance for these young guys to come out there. They don't get spring. We've said it numerous times, and we're probably going to have to continue to say it because we're not going to get that opportunity to see who separates themselves. Um, you know, we do have Caleb Smith, who uh, definitely, I think he had nine or ten catches last year, which is solid for a guy in his, you know, redshirt freshman year. Um, I'm also seeing – Definitely uh, Big Stone Gap himself will be supporting this group in ways because he's that versatile of a player. What about you? So, for wide receivers, I'm going to go B as well. Um, the concerns being very similar to yours. We're talking about two guys leaving that, you know, had significant amount of snaps last year, you know, coupling that with a couple of unknown factors. Um, but the reason that I'm still feeling pretty good um, you know, some of it's got to do with the front end. We, you know, we got uh, Trey and Tavion. 
you know, trained up. He's, he got people's money money back from uh, Virginia Tech parking. So oh, if yeah. you can do that, you can do anything. He can beat any <laughs> corner if he beat that. Any corner. And, uh, you, know, you know, obviously Tavion Robinson had a great uh, freshman year, and I'm, I'm looking for him to just, you know, grow more into that role, especially now that he's going to be more of a, uh, you know, outside guy versus working from the slot, I feel like. Um, you got Jaden. Um, who redshirted last year, I think he's going to be kind of take on that slot role. And what you're not talking about, but what I'm is going to be a theme of my offense here when we're talking about the skill position, Raheem Blackshear. <laughs> what Raheem Blackshear can do is going to impress you. And he's pretty much a de facto number four uh, wide receiver on top of being, you know, depth in our running back room. So, I'm looking for those guys. I'm looking for, um, as you said, uh, Big Stone Gap, James Mitchell working outside um, a lot, a la Bucky. Um, not Probably not quite as um, out there exclusively like Bucky was in, uh, in Fuente's first year, but definitely working outside on the regular. And uh, something nobody's talking about a lot, but I mean, I, I like this tape and I like all the things I've seen. Look for Dalen Wright to maybe make some noise early on just because of his ability to work inside and outside and he has the entire route tree already at his disposal. Um, I think he could definitely from day one come in and maybe be a contributor even if it's just a guy that you know is coming in to give you know Trey or Tay a uh, a spell or somebody working in the slot if uh, if we're working with you know if we got James at tight end somebody to, else to work in the slot so look for him to do stuff like that yeah um, the Jaden Peel I got it wrote down I think he's the breakout could be the breakout guy and make this group even for better sure. um, because sure. of that speed if nothing else him running you know just go routes or running deep posts or just getting the ball in his hands at the line of scrimmage. You saw it. He, he. I think he won like the, the sixty meter dash at the VHSL track and field games last year. That dude can ball. I do. Yeah. If you give him some room, watch out. Um, so, and again, I think I think I mentioned this in a couple episodes ago. I think Jaden redshirted last year was more of he needs to learn the wide receiver position. He's fast. That's great. He probably knows how to run these routes, but he played quarterback in high school. We're just going to give him a year to transition, and maybe we see the dividends of him taking that full season and just getting better and better and better. And, you know, game against Penn State, he runs a deep post, just blows by the safety, blows by the corner, 60-yard touchdown. Maybe, maybe not. All right, so we've mentioned Big Stone Gap a couple of times. What's your, uh, what's your uh, grade on the uh, tight end units? All right, I'm giving tight ends a B. Um, I like I like what they're bringing to the table here. Um, obviously, you know, elephant in the room, um, Dalton Keene into the NFL. But I think the, combining that with Big Stone Gap and then what I think Nick, Nick Gallo and uh, and Drake can do, I feel like Drake and Nick can kind of between the two of them take up and do most of the things that uh, that Dalton was doing. Um, I think James is primed to have a huge year, monster year, and uh, because I think he is going to get some more of those touches that uh, that we saw going to Dalton, um, whether it be in the screen game, whether it be you know those red zone routes that uh, that typically went to Dalton in a lot of cases. 
Um, I think James is going to take over some of that. But I think, you know, from a blocking standpoint, I think Nick can do a lot of the things that um, Dalton was able to do from an inline perspective. And I think that Drake um, doing the H-back stuff is really going to be um, the dividend that pays off the most because of you know, him being able to get outside and block well. And um, that was something that Dalton did really well was block in space block as a lead versus blocking in line. So I think you're going to see some of that get taken up by Drake. And I think he should, uh, he should, you know, step into that role pretty well. And I think pass catching, you know, I think Drake will do okay. And I think James is going to just take on a bigger role in that, in that regard. Yeah. I'm a B plus on this. I'm a little bit higher because I think what you kind of everything you said, I think the combination can get us, can replace um, Dalton, um, lose you a little bit of your versatility but you saw Gallo last year and how he got later in his blocks. He, he's built solid. I think he's 6'4", 250. He's built good. Um, Drake, remember, was the higher guy coming out um, when him and uh, Dalton both came in. So I think this is his chance to shine. And, and clearly, James is a little everything. He's going to play the joker tight end position. He's going to play the outside point in the receiver group. But he can block, you know. Um and you saw him run some of those interior, the the inside the five sweeps, which occasionally got blown up, but he did score five touchdowns off of them. Yeah. It's his versatility. So when you see him lined up in that, in that sort of H-back role, like right off the, the, the shoulder of the right tackle or the left tackle, uh, he, he's not going to – he's going to run some route. Well, wait a second. What if he gets the sweep? Is Can we get to him fast enough, and is it going to be a big enough guy to take him down? And that's why I put this uh, at a at the at the B plus. All right, Brian, quarterback room guys, you protected. Where are you going with them? Well, we finished the year pretty strong last year, so I'm going to go with the solid uh, solid B plus. I think there's room for growth, and that's why okay. I went B plus. Um, I think if we're just talking depth, I, it would be an A plus because I feel like we've got a great number one, and then as solid as two guys behind him as you could probably find anywhere, um, you know, with Quincy and with, uh, with Braxton. So, and I think just from a, from a top end one, I mean, I think Hendon's the guy, I love his leadership. That's the biggest thing that I like about him and Hunter. He gets on the field, he commands the huddle and that's what you need. And if he can take just, you know, a couple steps, in terms of consistency with his passes, I think he, he can make all the throws. That's not, that's not the concern, but just being a little bit more consistent with um, making the decisions a little quicker and um, a little bit more accurate with the football when delivering it in the, in the intermediate um, range, I think he can really take the next step. So that's what I'm looking for. And that's why I went B plus. All right. Great. Brian, I'm going to, I'm going to give my grade and then I want you to ask me, why did I go there? A plus. Okay. A plus. All right. G- give me your rundown, man. Give me your rundown. I'm going to ask you a question. How many other schools in the country can say they've had three quarterbacks win a Division One football game? Uh, very few. Very few, man. Very I few. I don't think any. And <laughs> that's what we have here. You have Hendon, who won six games. Burmeister out at Oregon won some games. Quincy won game, won the Carolina, won the Carolina game. Um, and you said it. Hooker's the man. But having those two good backups like them, tell me if you're an offensive play caller, are you going to fear, like, running an offense? Like, oh, I can't do this. I might get hooker banged up. So no you, you're, not, you're not worried about that. And I think the other thing is that you're not worried about 
you know, having to completely blow up your playbook if your backup comes in. And I think that's, that's something that people don't talk about enough is that, yeah, I think we'll, we'll cater some play calling towards Quincy or towards Braxton if he comes in, but most of the plays that we run are still going to be on the table if, uh, if Hendon gets injured. So that, that's a big thing, especially if, if there's a mid game injury. So, you know, not having time to prepare and set up for what you're going to do. You know, Quincy comes in, yeah, we're probably going to go a little bit more, you know, power run heavy, but he can still make all the throws. He can still do the, all the things that, that Hinton can do. Um, and then if you talk, talk Braxton, I mean, I, you know, there's talk about he, him being the best athlete of the three of them, which Crazy. I mean, the, the thought of that is kind of insane. So, you know, I don't think we're going to, you know, when you're, when either of these guys come in, you're not, talking about losing plays from your playbook I and mean, that's the most important thing with a backup is being able to essentially do what you do even when your your, your top guy's not in there yeah, and, and that's another reason I gave it the A plus they, 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 they can do the same plays but they all have a little different skill set you talk about Braxton being the best athlete and you can see with some of his zone reads his quickness to make that step um, it, it's faster than Hendon's and Hendon's got a pretty quick step um, and it's clearly fast from Quincy's. But I'm going to go back to the Carolina game. And if you remember how they had to change up the game plan a little bit, something like that happens in-game. Did Carolina look like they were ready for a power-running QB? No, no, not at all. So what that happens is if you're that defense, and this, again, this is why I'm going A+, plus, oh, man, Burmeister's in. Well, he, he's got a decent arm, but, man, he runs those zone reads. We better get to the edge quick. Or, as you know from playing, they can't think that way. Because I'm sure you from coaching and playing, something changes on a team. It's like, hey, guys, we're going to do this. Coach, you didn't tell us this all week. Uh, what are we supposed to do again? You know being in-game, you can't make flies like that, not in one quarter. You know, so that's why I'm going A+. plus. All right. Last week. <laughs> fun times. Fun r- times. Running backs. And guys, please. Curtis, what you got? The uh, – I'm going to go D plus. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just worry about this group. So Ouch. <laughs> yeah. I worry about them. And, and I hope all these guys prove me wrong. Um, we lost the only guy who has proven effective in losing to Sean McLeese. Um, you know, I worry about Herbert coming in with the, you know, he came primarily from a pistol. Now we're going out of shotgun. I worry about that. He's explosive, my gosh. But I just worry about those nuanced changes, and it, does it take away from what he does? Great. Um, you keep talking Blackshear. You love him. I can't factor him in because the NCAA hates the Hokies. They will find a way to not <laughs> let him get his waiver. Um, because I'll say this. If, if he was already approved, and I hope it doesn't break in the next two hours, I would probably go C-plus with this group. Okay. Um, what, what, where are you at, Golly, You, you kind of gave me the Ushka, Ushka. Where are you? Where are you putting them? <laughs> if I had to put a number grade on them, I'd go eighty-two. So I'm somewhere between like a B and a B minus. Okay, so we'll say B. And yeah, so so here, here's what we got. And you know, it's coming. You've already kind of prefaced it, but you know, the two words I'm gonna say is Raheem Blackshear. <laughs> and the biggest thing I'm going to say is coaching change. So if that doesn't get approved, then the NCAA truly does hate the Hokies. So I'm counting Raheem Blackshear as fully a part of this unit integrated full stop. So with that being said, 
this guy can do it all. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with this offense. Um, biggest things are going to be the screen game. That's going to pick up significantly. This guy working in space is impressive. And the fact that we're going to have him on the field plus see not as much as I was hoping for probably, but should see some progression with uh, Keyshawn King um, from the offseason. You know, you couple that with the experience and just the the bull bag downhill threat that uh, that Herbert is. I just feel like this unit is probably going to be the unit that everyone's going to underrate and is going to be really shocked to see what their actual output is going to be. Especially if you take it from an all purpose yards from from people with the label RB next to their name. Okay, um, I don't know, necessarily know if you're going to go out and see one guy get a thousand yards, but I think the combination of their output from those three guys plus anybody else that contributes yeah. is going to be really good from a running perspective. And, but I think in terms of the receiving yards that you see from that position, that's going to go up significantly. And that's where the big gains are going to be. Yeah. Well, you know, the other reason my, my letter grade solo is because of the coach at this position, Adam Leichenberg, he's not a coach <laughs> running backs. Um, I, I, I want this group to prove me wrong. I want this group at the end of the year to have so many yards and touchdowns that, you know, it's, it, it makes this look silly to me. Um, and, and one guy that I think you mentioned him, I think Keyshawn King, he flashed, he showed some of that David Wilson that just makes you chill if you're a Hokie fan. Um, and if he grows again, he was a true freshman last year. And that's one thing I love about saying about so many groups is he was a true freshman. He didn't get any time in the off season or in a weight training program. So I, I, I really, I really hope this group proves me wrong. I, I feel like you're on that optimistic side where I usually am. And, um, <laughs> you know, well, you got to think about it. Remember what, what, what grade did you give the offensive line? A plus. Yeah. I gave him a minus. So they're running behind a good offensive line. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to at least do pretty well behind a good offensive line. <laughs> now, love it. A a great running back is going to take that to the nth degree, but a good running back is going to be able to be very very productive because you know, some of the work's done for them. They've got a hole. They've got a cutback lane. They've got guys that are in the right place that at least all they got to do is get up in the hole and maybe break a tackle. So, I mean, you know, things are setting up where as long as we're not vanilla with the play calling to a degree that hurts us, um, which, you know, we, we've had some squabbles about that as well. But I, I think that things are going to be a little bit better than we're anticipating from a running back room perspective. Awesome. All right. So, Hokie Nation, um, that wraps up our grade for the positional units as of what was supposed to be the day before spring practice starts. Um, so we're going to put out a Twitter poll and this is what we're going to ask. What position group of these four will be the difference in 2020? The running backs, the wide receivers, the defensive ends, or the safeties. Now you guys notice these were our highest rated groups these actually kind of looking it all up these were our groups that collectively rated lower so which of these groups that we think you know we didn't put the best grades on what who do you think is going to step up and say that group right there they're going to take leaps and bounds steps and they're going to be the uh 
going to make difference in 2020. You like it, Brian? I like it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because if we had had the same poll last year, you wouldn't see wide receivers or safeties probably in this uh, category. <laughs> nope. But here they are. <laughs> so, and, and you know yeah, what? It's last... funny what a year does. And I think the biggest thing with the safeties is that, you know, we're inserting a new starter and we don't know what that looks like yet. We know what he can do game by game, but we don't know what he can do when you put stack a bunch of games back to back. Um, and then with wide receiver, you got, you know, one of your top receivers entering the portal and another uh, veteran that's kind of has been the leader on that unit up until this point also step away. So, you know, it's amazing the changes a year makes, even though, you know, I, I think the safety's probably maybe met their goal last year. They yeah. weren't any better than um, than we expected, but I think they were right there at, at our expectations. I think wide receiver probably underachieved on the whole as terms of what we thought they would be last year. But I think they definitely have room to room to grow, so I think that's why they're on the list right now. Yeah. And you know what? There's one group that would have been on this poll if we had done this last year. That would have been defensive tackles. And we yes. probably would have both rated them somewhere between, I'm going to say, a C and D plus. And that group completely overshot their expectations this year. Absolutely. Last year. Absolutely. Awesome. Is, are we missing anything, Brian? Did we flub anything? You know, it can happen. I'm sure we flubbed something, but uh, I'll, I'll wait for the <laughs> – the listeners to call us out on that. All right. <laughs> All right. So folks, that's going to wrap up this episode of the boundary corner podcast. Stay safe out there. Social distancing, social distancing, jeezy peasy, please. I want normalcy again in my world. And my name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. And we'll let Jason long as always play us out. Catch him on Spotify, Apple music. Thank you for listening, Hokie Nation. And as always, let's go. Hokies!